0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: Burning Daylight, the only podcast for the working cowboy. Well, howdy there, Daylight Burners. Happy Monday. Hope you all had a good weekend. We uh we've been having some good rain here the last uh several weeks and it's been, been quite awesome. Like uh, just nice little rain showers rolling in the the afternoon. Um We've had some pretty decent sized ones. We really came in and rain got like a half inch, um, but most of the time it's like, oh, maybe a tenth, uh, quarter inch, something like that. But enough to knock the dust down, keep things cool in the morning. Um, getting getting warm, but not hot, and which is good because uh, I don't I don't do humidity very well, and it's it's been pretty muggy. But I guess. That's what it's like when, uh, you know, when you break a drought, it's, uh, you gotta, you gotta have moisture to break a drought. So it's, uh, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. Um, I can't really complain on that. So we, um, couldn't get lined up with a couple of different guests. Um, but we got some cool stuff coming up, I think. Um, in the meantime, the the world is crazy but I don't really want to talk about it tonight I want to wait till till we go to defense post politics and uh and hopefully all those those gay lords uh, will, will show up so we have a good good long laugh at the the state of the world but uh for now <clears throat> I've been going back and rereading some books or reading some new some novels not necessarily new but new to me anyways I haven't read them yet and um and then I, I put out a post on Patreon. Uh shout out all the Patreon subscribers and uh you know, searching for, for new ideas and, and uh topics, guests, whatever, and um people seem to like the the history episodes I do, so seemed like a good time. And uh Mr. Brad Slavens, who's uh who's one of the Patreon members, he uh, suggested the fellow name of uh Holt uh Holt Collier. And this is a really interesting story and I wish um I wish I'd read the book. Um however, it's uh I think there's enough here um without you know, going going full book. I haven't I haven't read that yet. Just finished up the the June book club book though. Uh so Lost Cowboy finished it today. Uh Jake Silkey um really a good read um a lot of brought a lot of fascinating stories and guys got a good writing style anyway i i found it really easy to read and uh so if you want to join in on the question and answer for that uh patreon is the way to go um he'll be joining us at the end of the month i gotta check with him and i'm gonna try to do it june 30th i think That's a Friday, big, good bull session topic. And if you'd like to ask a question, um, uh, (laughs) for this episode, we'll, uh, if you're on Patreon, I'll send the link out and, uh, and yeah, so it'll be kind of a, kind of a call-in show, except it's like a drop-in question and answer with the author. So I think, uh, we're going to try it out. Hopefully uh, some of you guys show up or if you don't want to, don't want to make an appearance uh you can you can always send your questions in uh patreon subscribers will get first dibs uh and then then we'll go to go to the well so anyways I think I think it's uh hopefully we can make it a pretty cool format and get uh several different authors and, and do the same thing. So anyways, that being said I didn't read the book about this uh this Holt Collier guy but uh it is now on my list. Hopefully it's on, it's in, on audiobook form. Um, but if not, that's fine too. There's nothing wrong with, uh, reading a physical book. Um, <clears throat> so this guy, he, um, he's got a, a very fascinating life and he is, uh, had a hand in, uh, naming of the teddy bear he simultaneously well i guess not quite simultaneously he was uh he was born a slave and fought for the confederacy as a free man and <clears throat> became uh one of the maybe lesser known but uh greatest hunter big game hunters of all time particularly bears he was uh that was his his forte, but he was, uh, anyway, he was, uh, he was a black man born a slave in, uh, in Mississippi. Um, my layout here. Okay. So there's a a discrepancy on when he was born. His, uh, his gravestone says 1846. Um, a couple other sites that I saw articles that I read mentioned 1848 and they always say around so um hey he was a slave so I'm I'm guessing the the record keeping probably wasn't the best um and and you know the genealogy and whatnot. I I, I don't know. That'd be something to that'd be interesting to look into and like what was the, the bookkeeping like for, for one of those plantations like <coughs> Do you, do you list old mammy on uh, on the ledger book for for your assets or uh, you know I, I'm not sure how that worked but I, maybe I'll uh, maybe that'll be a rabbit hole I go into one of these days um, that'd be fascinating I'm not much of a bookkeeper type guy but that I'm interested I'm 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 intrigued to see how how they did it but anyways. Um, whether or not he was on a ledger book, I don't know. Um, but somewhere, 1846, 1848, uh, we'll go with 1846, because that's what's on his gravestone. And um, he was born... <coughs> he was born there in um, in Mississippi somewhere. Um, I don't know, but the... The owners... He was a fourth generation slave. Had uh th- third generation uh generation of that family to be owned by the 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 Hines family. And um <clears throat> the the owner was uh was was Thomas Hines and he had fought with Andrew Jackson uh in eighteen fourteen at the Battle of New Orleans. And uh maybe it'll maybe that'd be a good good song to end the the podcast on because, uh, that's kind of where, where it all, uh, where it all starts way, way back in the, in the early days, uh, of, you know, of, of the Republic, you know, when, when the westward expansion was still trying to get over, you know, over the Cumberland Gap and, and, uh, New Orleans was still, still owned. Well, I guess, well, I guess we owned it then, and, uh, we just got it from, from the French, um, anyway, this, this, uh, this little slave baby was born, and, uh, the, the plantation owners took a liking to, to old Holt, he, um, find a, there was another, yeah, this, this article here, um, yeah, so here they say 1846, and I guess um, like history history nerds like can be be pretty fickle on uh, getting the details right. But for this particular episode and in general, I don't think it makes one difference uh, at all whether he was born in 1846 or 1848. But anyway, it was one thing that I noticed, uh, so I'm pointing it out. Um, but yeah, for the purposes here, I don't know. Don't think it matters one way or the other. Um so Jefferson County, uh, Mississippi, born on a plantation owned by a man named Howell Hines. So that was the son of Thomas Hines. Uh Hines had a particular fondness for collier and sent him to school in Bardstown, Kentucky with his own sons to see that he got an education. So that must that must have been in like northern Mississippi. Um Collier didn't take to formal education. Actually, I don't think he was literate at all. Um, and, uh, and he played hooky most days. He preferred to be outside chasing squirrels, quail, or even bear. Uh, so it was the uh, cane breaks of the Mississippi Delta. I'm not real sure where that's at, but we'll... Uh, cane
2: breaks... region cane break um images
1: well this is uh just riveting audio um but if if you're watching on on video um hmm, here we go we'll
2: just go jefferson county mississippi okay so it's
1: up here all right, so yeah, kind of like central Mississippi, right along the the Mississippi River, and uh, kind of, eh, I guess Mississippi's. Eh, no, it's. That'd be Southern Mississippi, I guess. So, um, they said they went to school in in Bardstown, Kentucky. That's a must have sent him off to school. Anyways, um he grew up there in the swamp. Oh, here's uh there's a little better picture of where it's at. Uh so this red line here on the map. Um yeah. That area is uh it's where they grew up. Um anyway, he, so he grew up there in in kind of uh the cane breaks, I guess, is kind of a pretty swampy area. And <laughs> there it was still very much a a frontier area. Um uh, you know, there was uh there wasn't a lot of uh cities close by. Um it was um it was very, very new, newly settled uh territory, so um a lot of these farms um they weren't really established as a as a self-sustaining farm quite like uh later as a as they evolved or or some of the some of the plantations that were further back east and you know they had their like their own established cattle herds and whatnot these they relied on a lot a lot of wild game and that's kind of what this this kid was was known for and he, he Killed his first bear uh when he was like 10 years old or something like that. Um yeah, so Thomas's son Hal inherited the family's two plantations, Home Hill and Plum Ridge. Hal was said to have been primarily raised by Harrison and Daphne. That's uh that's his parents. Um okay, so the owner was was primarily raised by by Holt's parents. And so that that. Was probably why he took to such a liking to Holt. Um, Howell assigned management of Plum Hill to his son Thomas, and when he was ten years old, Holt uh, Collier was made Thomas uh, Thomas's junior valet. Um, he taught uh, Holt to shoot, and youngster took to it quickly. Despite his age, he was assigned the job of hunting games to feed the workers. Um, uh, hunting game. Typo um the southernvoice.com is where I'm reading It's uh called uh, article called a Hollywood worthy life story. Um anyway, they that got past their editors uh, hunting game to feed the workers. He was frequently entered into frequently entered into shooting contests against much older competitors. He killed his first bear at age ten. Alright, so then Civil War breaks out when he was about 13. And um all the owners they they left to join the the army, but they uh <laughs> I don't I don't know if they f- they freed all the slaves, but they they freed this this young kid Holt. He was 13 years old and he begged them to go to let him go fight uh for the Confederacy with them, but they they wouldn't take him cuz he was too young. And, um, so he ended up like some, some places made, made it sound like he just kind of, kind of camped out on a riverboat and like, just, it was, he was kind of a stowaway or I don't know if he was working on, on a riverboat, but anyway, he was, he was there for about a year and he met back up with, uh, with his former owner in Memphis, uh, where he joined up, uh they joined up or he joined the army with him and and he was uh he was an orderly for for a field hospital initially. And then. <clears throat> yeah, so there's a story here is Collier was. I um, was attending to a patient in a uh, field hospital near a battlefield around Bowling Green, Kentucky, when he heard gunfire begin, he grabbed a rifle and ammo from a patient, went to the front lines and began firing on the enemy. The unit's members and leaders were impressed by his actions. It was a it was illegal to, in 1862 to arm a black man, but Holt was issued a uniform and a weapon. Uh, he was a member of the of Company I of the 9th uh, Texas Cavalry and served a lot. Um served at Vicksburg's, uh, served at Shiloh. And, um, he, uh, like he was even allowed to here, it says, um, so Heinz and Howell's, uh, Heinz and Howell Holt, uh, that, that makes no, okay. So Howell, Heinz and Holt, they, uh, these guys really didn't do a good job at editing this. Um, But anyways, so. um, um, Hines, and Holt saw action at Shiloh. Soon after, Howell returned home, charged with raising additional troops. And uh, having earned the respect of his fellow soldiers, Collier was asked and and was allowed to remain with his unit after Howell departed um, and spending much of his service in northern Mississippi. So Vicksburg... Uh, Corinth, Holly Springs, and I, I don't know the I don't I think I remember a little bit about Corinth. Vicksburg is obviously a big, big, huge battle. I'm not familiar with those other ones, but <clears throat> he, uh, yeah, he was he was kind of odd, an odd fella, like just a, a odd situation all the way around where he was, uh, you know, born a slave. But essentially treated almost equal to oh I say almost, Um, (laughs) but he he spent a lot of the war as a as a sharpshooter, shot a lot of wild game uh, to feed the troops and also just as as kind of a sniper you know one of the one of the early snipers of of American history. Um, He was also as a spy. I wonder. I wonder if there's anything about that in the book. That'd be that'd be interesting. Um, he returned back to the to the plantation, served as a valet, and then this this is kind of where his life really gets uh, gets interesting. Um, he was on a train trip with Hines. Uh, con- a conductor grabbed Holt and attempted to throw him out of the sleeping car. Holt punched him and the conductor drew a knife so then Holt shot him. And um no charges were filed and which was kind of weird because he's a black guy in the south um you know post civil war and uh yeah they didn't get treated real well um you know from what I, from what I've heard um so back in Greenville Mississippi he was also involved with uh Confrontation with a northerner, um, Captain James King, over a bad business deal. Um, The man's body was found after his horse was discovered wandering riderless. Holt was arrested and tried for the murder, but was acquitted. Um, All right, so I also read something else um, on this. So on this site here, we'll switch tabs. And so this is from HeritagePost.org. Title is American, or it's under American Civil War. It's called The Forgotten Legend of Holt Collier. Um, Oh, and also kind of a funny fact. um, Nathan Bedford Forrest was this guy's commanding general. Um, You know, the guy that later went on to create the Ku Klux Klan, Ku Klux Klan, and Hulk um, Collier was uh, he was one of the the most trusted cavalry scouts, spies, whatever. Um, okay, so during Reconstruction, Collier was accused of murdering a Yankee soldier, Captain James King, but was acquitted by a military tribunal. Uh, King and Hal Hines were involved in a fight, and during the dispute, Hines, though a much older man, knocked the youngster down several times king's anger grew with every knockdown um finally the thoroughly infuriated young man drew a knife on his unarmed opponent but a bystander fired shots killing uh king preventing him from drawing blood with his knife it was never fully proven that Holt, Holt collier was the man uh behind the gun and uh soon after collier left mississippi and headed texas uh headed for Texas to lay low and let the controversy of the trial and King's death blow over. Um, so was he in the wrong place at the wrong time or was he, um, you know, was he intervening on behalf of his, uh, his former owner, now his boss? I don't know, but he was acquitted and, um, but probably smartly, um, Howell Hines told him like he better get out of the country and lay low for a bit. So off to Texas he goes and he worked there as a cowboy for a while. He was uh, he was a good horseman and sound like uh sound like a pretty good all-around hand um you know just a good guy to have on your side it sounds like uh crack shot hell of a hunter um, like it wasn't just a shooting, but like like knew how to how to hunt. Um, good soldier, good horseman, and uh apparently loyal as hell. Um oh, and he he worked for, for one of one of the founding fathers of Texas, Lawrence Sullivan Ross. Uh Ross was one of the first Texas Rangers and eventually the governor of Texas. And <coughs> Yeah, so it, it's kind of funny he worked for a Texas Ranger while he was trying to lay low um for allegedly killing a guy in Mississippi. Um so after the the hoop, hoopla went by the wayside and you know everything kind of died down, he he goes back to Mississippi and he got uh he he was essentially just a hunter and a guide. Um his, his kind of legend grew over time, but it, um, it started where he, he hunted bears and there was, they said he, he said he had killed over 3000 bears in his lifetime, uh, when asked and it's estimated he was killing like 125 a year or something like that. Apparently there was a, a shitload of bears in the Mississippi Delta at that point, And, um, sounds like this guy did the bulk of the work cleaning them out. Um, but also there was, um, you know, there was milling like sawmills and, um, maybe there was some coal mines. I don't, I don't know if there's any coal in that part of it, but mostly it was for loggers and, uh, oh, levy construction crews. Here we go. Um, I'd read the article here, but, um, he, he killed a lot of wild game to feed those crews. And, uh, and then, yeah just made made his living as a as a hunter, and then, um as his reputation grew and <laughs> then all of a sudden big game hunters wanted to uh, wanted to come hunt with him, and then he uh he got to be kind of a big deal in those parts, he got to be very well known um kind of nationwide i guess and and he was just uh just a hell of a bear hunter, I guess. That was that was kind of his jam. And here it says, Once when an angry black bear quartered one of his prized dogs inside a hollow log, uh, Collier climbed in, and as the bear tried to crawl past uh, Collier and escaped the log, Collier stabbed it with his knife, killing the bear, and he only suffered minor scratches. Like, just a tough hombre. <laughs> like, that's a bad motherfucker. Um... And then 1902, he kind of, his life really changes. So he's, he's in his fifties at this point, which is, um, you know, let's for, for that era, that was kind of get up, getting up in age, but he received word that a prospective hunter was looking to hunt, the the cane breaks for bear and requested his service. And this is in Collier's own, own words. He said, uh, one day Major Helm came to me and said, if you can get things ready in a month and not let anybody know what you're doing, President Roosevelt will go hunting with us. I got things ready, found a beautiful camper place and was boss of the hunt, or and found a beautiful camper place. I was boss of the hunt. Along came the president with carloads of guards, but he left all but one of them in the car. Uh, anyway, he was safer with me than all the policemen in Washington. The President was a pleasant man. When he, uh, when he was walking, he'd stop every little while to ask other people's opinion. Sometimes he asked my opinion about something, and he talked to me about as much as he did to anybody else. He had a thousand questions to ask. We sat on the log uh, to talk, and in 10 minutes, 35 people were sitting on the log on the log. It was going to be a 10-day hunt, but the President was impatient. Uh, "I must see a live bear the first day." told him uh I told him he would if I had to tie tie one and bring it to him so apparently allegedly this is his own words saying that so he was going to he was going to let him see a live bear if, even if he had to you know rope one and tie it tie it down and it turns out it's exactly what he had to do so they were hunting with dogs and they were they were using the dogs to flush the bear out and so he set he set the hunting party up at a spot where, where the bear would pop out. And so Roosevelt and a couple other people there with him. And he had a, he had a whole big crew, like the, the founder of uh, the Tabasco company was there, um, a Senator. And I think, I don't know if he was Senator at the time. I think maybe he was uh, later when later on went, went on to be Senator. And, um, well, it's also, you know, the president of the United States at the time. So, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of people that are probably wanting to, wanting to go hunting with old Teddy Roosevelt, and, um, so, they set him up, and he goes, and, uh, they start hunting, they start, uh, they send the dogs out trying to flush this bear, and, um, some something happens, and the the bear doesn't cross there so and teddy um he gets impatient, so him and the the hunting party they go back to camp to get something to eat in the meanwhile um Holt's dogs have got this uh this bear cornered, and he i think he had killed a dog and uh was really was really working on. <clears throat> on one of his his best dogs is the one that one that he liked the best, and so he tried. He was gonna shoot him, but couldn't. Uh, he was also he was told not to to shoot the first bear, and then he also couldn't get a clear shot with his dogs in there. So he jumps off his horse and then just cracks this bear on the on the head with the butt of his rifle, and uh, and kind of kind of halfway knocks it out. They're in the middle of a creek, I think.
2: Um,
1: Yeah, so, yeah, Collier's pack dogs uh, caught the scent of an old bear and tracked him for more than three hours. Um, The dogs eventually backed the bear into the waters of a sluggish bayou. Um, But Roosevelt was nowhere to be found. Before Collier could summon the president, the bear grabbed Collier's favorite dog, a little yellow mongrel named Jocko. The bear was in the process of killing the dog and uh and Collier couldn't shoot without uh risking jocko's life um he was but like I said, he was also told not to kill the first uh bear you know that that was saved for the president um, <clears throat> gripping his rifle like a club, he leaped from the saddle and slammed the stock of the gun down on the bear's skull. The bear laid semi-conscious in the muddy waters. What happened next? Launched Teddy Roosevelt from an admired president to an American icon. Uh, determined to, uh, to do his best to salvage the situation. Collier threw a rope over the comatose animal and dragged it out of the water and tied it to the nearest tree. Collier had lassoed a bear just to promise the president. So um, he goes and gets uh, gets old T.R., and they, you know, the hunting party and everything, they, they roll up and, and they see this bear that's like, just kind of coming to tied to the tree. And they're like, Hey, El Presidente, there you go. Shoot that sucker. And, uh, well, Teddy, Teddy was a pretty smooth operator and he had been catching some flack, uh, by the, the liberal elites back in the, on the East coast about, all of his uh, hunting excursions and how he was kind of a a barbaric animal you know he was he was not you know he was uh he was not living up to uh you know to his family name you know he was uh he was not uh being the distinguished person he was supposed to be <clears throat> by by being a rancher and big game hunter and whatnot so he uh he said, no, it's unsportsmanlike, and I won't shoot it. Um, but they did go ahead. He did go ahead and tell them to put the, put the bear down. So, so uh, you know, put it out of its misery. But the the story spread, and the legend of Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt grew, and there was a cartoon in the Washington Post, and it showed... Uh, let me see if I... Um... think they linked to it on this one um yeah so it was called uh drawing drawing a line drawing the line in mississippi um so i'll pop it up on screen but for the audio listeners it shows uh shows teddy with a rifle and his hunt you know he's all decked out in his hunting gear and he's just holding his hand up and um there's a there's a guy holding a little bear cub by you know with a rope around its neck and teddy's saying he's not gonna do it and um yeah it uh it kind of kind of added to the legend of old teddy roosevelt and it won over a lot of the the snooty east Coasters and um and there was a guy in New york that uh owned a toy store and he he wanted to capture uh, you know and jump on the on the legend of uh of this story so he he contacted old t r and asked him if he could uh if he could sell stuffed bears in the store uh with uh the president's name, and so they're the teddy bear that's the origin. And, um, yeah, it was, um, uh, it was quite the story and, um, uh, and Roosevelt didn't end up getting a bear that time, but he, uh, he was really, really blown away, away by old Colt, uh, Holt Collier and his hunting skills. So he, he sent him a, a Winchester 1886 and then, um, there's another Another picture of that cartoon, Um, John the Line in Mississippi, and uh, yeah, so old Teddy was kind of a, he was kind of a smooth operator, but
2: uh,
1: uh, there's a yeah, little little better look at the, the cartoon, but. Yeah, so then then that guy started. What was that guy's name? Um, Morris Mitchum. Um, yeah. So after seeing the the cartoon with Roosevelt, he wrote the pre- president and asked permission to associate his name with the toys, and there there he had the birth of the teddy bear. Um, In 1907, Roosevelt took part in another bear hunt involving uh, Holt Collier. This time, the event occurred in the Louisiana Cane Breaks in East Carroll and Madison County, so on the other side of the river. I don't know if it was, like, right across or... Either way, Um, primary guide was Ben Lilly, a well-known big game hunter, and Collier was in charge of the dogs. The hunt was a success for the president. He killed a 200-pound black bear that was located by Collier's dogs. Um, after the 1907 hunt, president the president uh, presented Holt Collier with a model 1886 Winchester rifle. And Roosevelt later said of Collier, he was a man of 60 and could neither read, or, read nor write, but he had all the dignity of an African chief. And he said he was the uh, greatest hunter and guide I'd ever known. Um, and so then he he kind of, his reputation kind of took off a little bit. He was featured in ma- uh, major magazines. And um, he was the prominent residence of Greenville. I'm guessing that's Mississippi. Greenville uh, successfully lobbied for a Confederate pension for Holt. Um, he died in 1936. Estimated he'd killed over 3,000 bears in his life. Um, he's buried in Live Oak Cemetery on the side of his former Plum Ridge Plantation home. What a, what a strange, strange character, you know, there, so there's his headstone and, um, Company I, Ninth Texas Cavalry, uh, Confederate, Confederate States Army, and, um, yeah born in 1846 died in 1936 90 years old um and just lived lived as a hunter um but he was although he was a slave he was he was very loyal to to his owners and uh you know was was bound and determined to to fight in the in the Confederate army one way or the other and then also um you know served uh served very well it sounded like he was um kind of a respected character in um in a region of the world in a time time in history where um men like him were not considered fully men they weren't really considered people at the time by a lot of a lot of folks and yet he was he was a guy that commanded a lot of respect just from his sheer skill uh as a marksman and as a and as a hunter. Later on becomes uh kind of buddies with with one of the the most, you know, respected presidents of the United States. Uh, you know, his, his face is on freaking Mount Rushmore and this uh this old black fellow that happened to know how to hunt bears really well, uh made a mark on him and <clears throat> just uh what a wild story. Um he was uh he was responsible for uh for creating the story that you know that, that that created the the teddy bear and uh you know gave uh gave Roosevelt a whole bunch of uh notoriety but more than anything that people remember about that is uh, is the teddy bear and and they a lot of I I would bet 99% of the people that uh, that have or know or use the term teddy bear have no idea where where the origins are but yeah it was uh, it was a freed black man who uh took the president of the united states on a bear hunt <laughs> and uh and and did such a good job of finding a bear that he actually knocked one out and tied it to a tree so that the president could have a chance to to shoot this sucker and uh i guess good on teddy for, for not, for not shooting a tied up bear. I, I, I guess there's, you know, there's the ethics and, and stuff to, to hunting, but, um, I guess if you, uh, if you needed meat, um, I wouldn't have much problem shooting up, uh, shooting a bear that was tied up to a tree if that if that meant food for the family, so, uh, but good on, good on old, old Teddy for, for taking the high road there, uh, kinda, it's still, this bear still got shot, so, uh, what difference it made, I'm, I'm not real for sure, but, um, at least he didn't look like a jackass, uh, you know, shooting at him at point-blank range with a, with a big hunting rifle or something, but, um, yeah, that was, what, uh, and of all the things to hunt bear, that's, uh, It takes a different type of human. (laughs) That's uh. I wonder, wonder how many tight scrapes that guy got himself into. I mean, uh, crawling a hollow log after a, after a bear to save one of your dogs. I mean, that. I I've had a lot of, a lot of dogs in my lifetime, and more. More often than not, they were pretty good dogs, and like I don't know what they were good for, but they were they were just good dogs. I loved them all. I don't know if I loved any of them quite that much um but then again, I ain't a bear hunter either so um yeah i thought uh I thought that was uh it was a good enough of a rabbit hole to go down that I'm gonna have to read the book and and if I find out anything more that's of uh of interest and value i'll do a I'll do a part two on on holt Collier but uh thanks to brad Slavens for the the idea i i enjoyed i enjoyed reading about this fella now i look forward to to reading the book and seeing seeing all of it so um hope you guys enjoyed it let me know what you think and um hey stay safe out there ship might be getting a little weird here in the near future um yeah crazy times we live in but At least you ain't. uh, At least you ain't face to face with a bear inside a hollow log. It could always be worse. Um, Yeah, you could be a black guy fighting for the Confederacy too. Like that. It's also a weird one. Voluntarily. That's. I mean, there was was plenty of plenty of black guys that that uh, served in the Confederate Army, but very few of them had a choice. And uh, that that guy went on his own accord and. Huh. Crazy. Crazy story. So, anyways, um, yeah, like I said, appreciate appreciate the idea, Brad. Um, you guys, let me know what you think. Um, yeah, have a good week and uh move your ass. We're burning daylight.
3: We looked down the river and we see the British come And there must have been a hundred of them beating on the drum They stepped so high and they made the bugles ring We stood beside our cotton bales and didn't say a thing
0: We fired our guns and the British kept a-coming There wasn't as many as there was a while ago We fired once more and they began to run in On down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico
3: Old Hickory said we could take them by surprise If we didn't fire muskets till we looked them in the eye We held our fire till we see their faces well
0: Then we opened up our squirrel guns and really gave them well We fired our guns and the British kept a-coming There wasn't as many as there was a while ago We fired once more and they began to run it On down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico Yeah, they ran through the
3: briars and they ran through the brambles And they ran through the bushes where... Couldn't go. They ran so fast that the hounds couldn't catch them On down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico We fired our cannon till the barrel melted down So we grabbed an alligator and we fought another round We filled his head with cannonballs and powdered his behind And when we touched the powder off
0: the gator lost his mind We fired our guns and the British kept a coming There wasn't as many as there was a while ago we fired once more and they began to run it. On down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico.
3: Yeah, they ran through the briars and they ran through the brambles and they ran through the bushes where a rabbit couldn't go. They ran so fast that the hounds couldn't catch it. On down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico.